There we go. So Ephesians chapter number one, and uh, we're looking at the enemy of insecurity in the home. Now, Ephesus um, is a town that was, I'm going to show this to you right here because it's part of the churches of Asia Minor, okay? So if you're looking at this map right here, you can see Ephesus, which would be a modern day Turkey. Uh, Paul, when he was going around on his missionary journeys, established the church at Ephesus during his second missionary journey, okay? So Paul leaving out from the church at Jerusalem down the bottom corner, and then the book of Acts is sort of headquartered in the town of Antioch. And so Antioch is where they were very first called Christians in Antioch, and then he went on to Ephesus. Also, you see up there Philippi, which is where we have the book of Philippians. And then obviously there's Corinth as well, and then the book of Romans. So Paul hits this main area a couple times, and on his third journey, he hits all these churches while he's en route to go to Rome, where he's going to die for his faith. And so Ephesus was started uh, during a second missionary journey. If you want to write this down, if you want to look at it later on, because it's pretty interesting, Acts chapter number 18 records him going to the town of Ephesus to start this church. Acts 18, if you want to put down uh, Acts 18, 19 through... Acts 19.41. There's a lot that happens in the town of Ephesus. Acts 18.19 through Acts 19.41. So here's what happens. He goes through first, he establishes the church. He comes back to it later on and he spends two or three years at the church at Ephesus. And it was significant because at the time of Ephesus, it was the capital for um, the worship of the goddess Diana. Now, Diana was the goddess of fertility. And so she was actually a, a goddess of a statue uh, with, with a bunch of nipples that was signifying uh, fertility and things. And so they would have huge pagan sacrifices and things and a lot of sexual sins and everything to the goddess Diana. So Paul walks into a very hard city, but all of a sudden, the, the gospel starts to spread. And so when you read in Acts chapter number 19, everyone started bringing out their books of their witchcraft and, and their, their idols to Diana. And they started burning them in the city as they were turning towards Christianity. Well, this started an uproar. And this merchants, as their, their sales go down, you read this in Acts 19, 24, they finally push Paul out of the city to get him to leave. But the temple that was built there to the goddess Diana is actually one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. This is a rendering of what it would look like because it finally went away. It was rebuilt three times. The first time it was destroyed by a flood. Um, It came in and flooded in B.C. And then next uh, it was destroyed uh, by arson on the night that – who was the famous conqueror? Uh, Not Nero. Um, Who's a short guy who conquered through the whole – Napoleon. Thank you. Uh, It was burned on that night and then it was rebuilt – and then destroyed again, and so it doesn't, it doesn't exist anymore. However, it was one of the uh, ancient wonders, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And then if you read in Revelation chapter 2, 1 through 7, which is where I preached from two Sundays ago, uh, that was written to the church at Ephesus. The church, however, falls to false doctrine. You remember they left their first love, and so Paul, uh, John was warning them. Uh, but eventually the church is closed down by the time we get to 8200, and so it doesn't survive, which is sad. It's believed that um, John, so at, at the crucifixion, this is kind of cool, Jesus tells John, who was, his, who was his beloved disciple, who at the time when he was following Jesus was still a teenager. Most people think that he became a disciple around 15. He lives the longest. He lives all the way to eighty ninety six when he gets sent to the island of Patmos and he writes Revelation. Um, so he takes care of Jesus' mother until her death. It's believed that as she got older and things that he moved with her to 
Ephesus to be part of that church. And so the mother of Jesus spent her last days in this town, which is kind of cool. Uh, so it was, it was not a, it was a hard town to minister in. It'd sort of be like you going and trying to plant a church right outside of the Vegas Strip. It was just worldly and it was a lot of people. So this temple right here could seat over 24,000 people, uh, which obviously for his day was, was, was huge. And so again, one of the uh, seven ancient wonders of the, uh, Seven Wonders of the Ancient World, which is kind of interesting. And so with that backdrop, we're going to read Ephesians chapter number one. And it's amazing there was such a fruitful church there because of the wickedness. When you go through and you look at Ephesians, you have obviously all of our commandments towards fathers and husbands and, you know, provoke not your children to wrath and children obey your parents. And Ephesians chapter number six, you have about all the armor of God. So there's a lot of really, really good stuff wrapped up in Ephesians. Of course, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. So there's a lot of key passages in Ephesians that it's really funny or interesting, and I guess testimony to God's power, that it was planted in such a stronghold for Satan, a really, really hard community, and things like that. Anybody hot? Is anybody hot? Mostly it just looks like air is not circulating. All right, we'll circulate some air through. There we go. All right, let's look at these six verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings, in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. It's hard to read uh, one through six without reading seven. I love this version. Whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. It says right there that he hath made us accepted in the beloved. So there's two A words there that are really important. The first that you can just jot down outside of this, it's not part of our lesson today, but the first one is adopted. So we're adopted by God, which obviously is great because that means that he chose us. Uh, some of, when, when, you, when you give birth to a kid, you didn't get to choose uh, that kid, right? That was who you are. But when, when you adopt someone, that's you purposely are intending to adopt them, having already seen where they're at and who they are. Uh, Romans 5, 8 says that God commends love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, so he knew everything about us and all of our hearts and tents, but yet, as the verse finishes, Christ still died for us. So that's pretty amazing. And so he adopted us. And then secondly, there, because he adopted us, we are accepted. So you have adopted and accepted. And because of that, it's a really great thing that we can hold on to. So Ephesians 1 uh, one through six says this. There's two quotes I wanted to give you about insecurity, which I think is pretty awesome because every single one of us to some level really battle with insecurity. And what I've noticed, I'm a guy. So what I've noticed in guys is the way this plays out is, is that if guys are insecure about something, and let's say that we're talking about in spiritually leading your house. Okay. What guys tend to do is we just really bury ourselves in what we feel that we're good at. And we don't ever really want to try to take on challenges that would push us outside of that or, or work on things, okay? Things that would be maybe, you know, left-handed for us or whatever you want to say that. So, for example, guys say, well, I I'm, I'm, know I'm good at working and I'm at providing. I'm not really good when I get home. I don't really know what to do. And we kind of get in fights. I don't really know how to leave my kids or whatever else. But I know that I can really work, and that's my contribution. So they throw themselves into work uh, because it's easier than working on yourself becoming a spiritual guy. And that's what we talk about this all the time is guys leading and guys being spiritual and taking those steps. If it's been a while since you've done a Christian service or gone soul winning or read your Bible, whatever, get back involved, right? Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. And instead of just burying our head and just saying, all right, well, forget it. I won't work on it. Um, I want to challenge in this class for men to work on that. So that's the way insecurities, insecurities and in guys come out in the fact that we just try to avoid that thing. 
because we think that we're not good at it or that we couldn't become good at that. Here's the first quote, uh, which I think is pretty neat. Comparison is the thief of joy said by Theodore Roosevelt, 26th president. He was the youngest person ever to become president because he was, a, he was the VP for McKinley and McKinley was shot. So at 42 years old, uh, he took over uh, being president. So he had three-year run that he got elected to a four-year, but he made a promise at the beginning that he wouldn't run for a third term. So he actually could have been president for 11 years, uh, but he passed on that and only was president for seven years. But that is really true. Comparison is the thief of joy. This is from a modern uh, preacher, but I think this is kind of a neat one. We struggle with insecurity because we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. Now, what platform is this the most true about? Facebook. Facebook, right. So no one ever posts the like having a horrible day and the kids are awful and no, nothing is working right and like whatever else, right? Or maybe maybe you do. That's all my friends talking about. No, we've been friends for two weeks now, right? So yeah, there you go. Since you requested a year ago, now we're friends. Um, but this is true. We're constantly comparing ourselves to someone's vacation that they saved up for for three years, right? Or someone's very best day or their date night that they only have two of in a year or whatever else. And so it just makes it more abundant and apparent, okay? But don't fall in that trap uh, to compare uh, someone else's highlight reel with uh, your behind the scenes and day to day because it's not a fair comparison. And obviously it's one that only tends toward uh, disappointment and things like that. Uh, so... Two great quotes. First off here, we'll look at this. We can be energized by God's grace. We can be energized by God's grace. And this, of course, is in three through six. The things, the grace of God, and we'll look at this, obviously, but with those two A's there that we're adopted and that we're accepted, okay? Um, How many of you have ever felt not accepted by your family anymore or whatever else. I was talking with somebody yesterday, okay, on the right, and uh, because of a stand that they started to take for Christ, uh, they're part of that family, but they're not accepted in that family like they used to be. Why? Because, no, we won't go and drink with you. No, you know, we will go to church, even if we're going to have a family thing. Like, we go to church first. We can come and join you later, whatever else. And so they're starting to be less and less accepted as they try to be more and more obedient to Christ. And sometimes that can happen. And, and what are you going to do? You know, you need to make a choice. Should we fear man or should we serve God? And so obviously that choice is before you and you can make it. So here's two things. We have God's grace to save you. I want you to be looking down at the talking point that happens right there because I need three people. It doesn't need to be long, but I believe it's important for us to know and to uh, rehearse. So if, if it gets to you, just don't take long on this. But first off, God's grace to save you. So three people, if they could, what is uh, your brief just salvation testimony um, or salvation story. Uh, maybe you're newer to this class or whatever else, so we haven't really heard that very much or whatever else. So we'll get Pete. He's willing to go. Yes, sir? Okay. Uh, so I, I grew up at First Baptist. Um, my parents went to college there, met at college there. Uh, just four or five when I was really little. And I, of course, in Sunday school and, and all that. And one night I woke up with this really bad dream that my parents, they were pulling in the pulling in the driveway, and for whatever reason, my dad just kept going forward. He ran right through the garage door, and the garage went up in smoke, fire, and then there was this big old devil just laughing, and I woke up screaming. And from there, of course, my, my mom led me to the Lord from there, and uh, reassurance of salvation a couple times, but I'm fairly certain that's when I accepted the Lord. Amen. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Amen. 
Amen. Anybody else? It'd be hard to top that one, huh? <laughs> Jones? I was just a bus kid up at Temple Baptist in Santa Fe. Just one of the bus captains. I don't remember exactly who it was, but just living in the Lord there in front of the church. But then I struggled for a while while I was growing up because, you know, it was like, I don't have this feeling anymore. So I reassured it with uh, one of my uh, Sunday school teachers and uh, nailed it down. Amen. Amen. That's good. That's two. Tim? Um, when I was 10, my mom took, and took me to this um, Bible um, and studying gospel thing, you know, and, 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 and I remember the teacher put his hand on my ears and played some giggles, and the mom said, I was saved. I'm like, what are you talking about? So, and so, so for 20 years, I'm going, going through that, like, what that mean, you know? And, and I've had people witness to me, you know, at the church that she that, that took me to, and, and then, um, and, and I still remember this, this one girl and, and gave me a gospel tract, and I was bagging groceries at my husband's table in Ohio. And, and the that I kept telling my younger, but this, you know. And, but then finally, 30, you know, I got into the um, left behind kids, you know, and really through that. And that took me to, to crack and open the Bible with the collection debt that it sent my grandma gave it to me when I was 14 years old. And, and I got to reading chapter, Roman chapter one on January 28, 2005, and I got saved that night. I asked the Lord to save me that night, and, and I, I realized that what it was all about. I was a sinner, he deserved to go to hell, but too much of anyone else, and, and I called on the Lord to save me that day. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Let me just pause on this here. Did you catch that? So what got him started thinking about it was someone handed him a gospel track. Right, so she's probably in a rush. You're at work, right? She right, probably didn't get right. to talk to you very often. Seventeen at the time. Okay, good deal. And it took me until I was thirty. Good. Get in the habit of passing on gospel tracts because that lady, whoever that person was, is never gonna know that that started that she'll process with him right. in heaven. Yeah, in heaven. Yeah, she'll know. Not on this side. Yeah. So. Pass out those gospel tracts. There's another one of our assistant pastors used to be here. He got saved because he was walking down the aisle and someone had taken a gospel track and they had stuck it in between two cans of uh, baked beans. And he was walking down the aisle shopping and he pulled it out, didn't know what that was. Went home, he read the thing and he got saved. Anyway. That person's not going to know until heaven. No, that's amazing. And so pass out gospel tracts. Uh, they're little, they're little witnesses. They're little soul winners that you can leave with people and uh, that you don't know where their work continues and when it stops. Uh, so keep giving out the gospel, man. That's exciting. Okay. Um, I know we could go on for a while, and I want to hear more testimonies because um, I look around the room and I realize I don't know everyone's salvation testimony. So that's neat to be able to know. Some of them I do know, um, and some of them I don't know. God's grace to strengthen you. God's grace to strengthen you. I'm going to read you 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10. Um, it's in your notes there. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Let me just pause on this. Anything that you're going through right now, and I don't know what you're going through. I realize that not everyone tells things in prayer requests or testimony times or whatever else. Uh, maybe you're a more private person or maybe it's something you don't really want to talk about or something you can't talk about. I get that. This verse here is an encouragement to you. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. So when is the power of God shown through you? It's when you're going through suffering in times of infirmity where people are, are going to say, wow, I don't know all what that person's going through. I don't know what they've got, but they've got something that's really showing through and it's really powerful right now through them. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. 
listen to this last part, for when I am weak, then am I strong. If you're going through anything in your life, circle those verses. You might want to commit them to memory, write them down on something, put it where you can see it, read it every single day, whatever, because God is willing to work through your weakness. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Um, Two, we can be edified. And I think that this is important. This is the purpose of our class. We can be edified by a loving church family, by a loving church family. I'll take something little because we might, we might smile you know, and think it's funny. Whatever, but Levi's turning two today. But I hope that there are several people from our class. When you see him, you know, say happy birthday to him, right? And then the little kids that run around. So I'm gonna, I, I enjoy this now that, that I have kids, just watching them all play and interact in the lobby. And we're doing our adult thing. And they've got their whole like, communications and, and their whole like, you know, friendship maps and things that are happening uh, that they've got. And uh, it's amazing, though, the, the connections and the friendships that kids make. And praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for everything that they make. But as adults, we need to make sure that we can edify by a loving church family. How can you do this? And you can just say hi to somebody. You can ask them if they can pray for you. Or as you wrote something down, just say, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. As you have that surgery on Wednesday, or I'm going to be praying for you, uh, Anthony, for your work, or whatever else. Just be a blessing by taking a moment to edify somebody. Two ways. As you got it, number one there, be in attendance. Hebrews 10, 24, we talked about this first often, we won't go there, but it says that we need to be in church and so much the more as you say to the day approaching. As pastors cited often in statistics, we're in, a, uh, in America, we're very much in decline in church attendance. Not church attenders, there's a lot of people that go. However, the number of times that they go in a month where their consistency is in big decline. I was talking with someone this morning that they're trying to go to one of three churches, essentially nobody here. They don't even go to our class, they just go to our church occasionally. Uh, but the thing I told her is, is that, look, you're never going to get gr- uh, rooted and growing up, especially for those kids, unless you just decide this is where we're going to be planted. And she thinks that she's helping out you know, by hopping around and helping this church and helping this church. Uh, you don't help a church by attending. You help it as you get involved and as you grow there, right? As you're willing to go out and witness and be part of a servant or whatever. But you never have that opportunity unless you get, you're willing to get planted somewhere. Sometimes in 2018, 2019 and on, we're really, really scared of, of just being faithful and saying, okay, I'm willing to take this commitment because uh, we always want to give ourselves some wiggle room there. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure if we'll be in town or maybe we won't. You know, maybe we'll miss two times a year. Look, if you miss two times a year, please come. All right, we can, we can fill your spot. It doesn't matter. We'll figure something out. Everybody's going to miss from time to time. But I appreciate the faithful workers uh, that we have in the bus ministry and many, many other places. Thank you so much for you guys doing that. Uh, next year, be attentive to the Spirit's leading. Be attentive to the Spirit's leading. And then lastly here, I want you to look down to this talking point because we'll have a little bit of time to spend on this one. We can be encouraged by a godly spouse. And you knew it, this being the home improvement couples class, that I was going to find a way to work it back to this, didn't you? But we can be encouraged by a godly spouse. Hopefully... Uh, you are being that spouse. Don't focus too much on someone else's being to you, okay? Because you can't really control that person. But hopefully you're being that spouse that is encouraging your spouse to be a better Christian, encouraging them in the Lord. It goes a long ways, obviously, when you have a lot of support at home. What is a way, getting to our talking point there, what is a way that your spouse encourages you to be a better Christian or just a better person and you're thankful because they've encouraged you uh, in this area. I, I'll start off uh, by saying that I've been encouraged um, watching um, my wife's faith grow through the last 
uh, year that we've headed down uh, the road of, of, of fostering and adopting and things. And obviously there's some uncertainties and things like that, but I've watched her time and time again through joy times and through tears or whatever else just constantly give situations back to the Lord and back to the Lord and back to the Lord. And for me to do it, I think, is one thing, but I think for a lady to do it is more difficult in this area and concern. But I've enjoyed uh, watching her faith grow and watching her constantly trust the Lord uh, because I realized that um, there's a certain way that a, that a Christian acts who's acting by faith right. versus what the world or what anybody else can act, right? And if you've been to a funeral, you've seen this on display. There's something about when people know the Lord and when they don't, the ways that they approach situations. And uh, it's being encouraging to me to watch how she has just trusted God through uh, this situation. Anybody else, something that you've been encouraged uh, through or by your spouse to be a better Christian or person, Jama? Um, you know, being a, being a business owner, uh, you know, things aren't uh, always guaranteed. You just got to go out there and, like, you know, you can show up to work and goof off and still get paid for it. Right. You know, got to put towards uh, something income, income producing activities, is what I call it. So, my non income producing activities, I'll hold off to the end of the day, returning in emails, text messages, just engaging in conversations, you know, the how are you doing? I save those till, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. So when we go through a downturn or struggle, uh, I've been encouraged just because Kara always says, you know, she reminds me to pray, give it to God, and just, you know, that we're going to make it through. And, and uh, that's, that's helped my faith grow, just seeing how calm she is, you know, when we're going through a storm, she's just calm. You know, she's like, Jesus, and I'm like, Peter, I'm like, you sure? You know? And she's like, no, we're going to make it through this, don't worry, this is just another thing. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Um, probably a lot of these you're going to hear you didn't know that you were being that for your spouse. So just know that sometimes they appreciate you when you, when you don't know that. But that's good. Amen. Anybody else? Uh, yes, sir. So, uh, so Rebecca's a homeschool mother and, and she teaches uh, our kids and stuff. And, and um, so I'm sure she has a lot of Bible instructions about the day for her children. And then uh, so I see her also in her own time time to, to be in the work herself and uh, sometimes I, I don't even know it and, and she'll just ask me questions about the Bible and uh, we'll have a discussion or something and I think that's really encouraging because I see it always on her heart um, and uh, and sometimes I can I think I can like I wouldn't say forget but I think just everything around me gets, uh, gets uh, uh, not overwhelming but um, I find myself being encouraged to get back in the word when she shows you that side of service. Amen. That's good. Anybody else? Good stuff. Yes. Well, now that he's gone. I'll tell you how you feel. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really calm, by the way. When he's doing that, I'm like freaking out. But anyway, all the surface. Um, he, um, you know, it's, it's hard when I'm. You know, when I'm sick or I'm not feeling good and I feel like I don't want to go to church and stuff like that, he's always like, you know, you're going to feel better when you go to church and you need to go to church. And he's just, um, he's, you know, he, he convicts me. Um, and so it helps me grow in you know, making sure I'm disciplined and getting to church and serving and things like that. Plus, um, we have, we always, we are always doing a devotional together. Um, and if, like, I skip a day or something like that. He's always on me to remind me that you need to do that. Um, or if I'm not leaving a comment about what I thought about it because I'm 
irritated or something, he, he is always the first to initiate that conversation and um, try to communicate and kind of build me up and bring me back to God. So. Amen. Good stuff. <coughs> Amen. Anybody else? <laughs> um, over the last eight months has been it's had its ups and downs um, traveling you know living in a suitcase with a kid and um, sometimes not knowing where you're going to stay if you have enough gas money to get to the next church that you're going to be visiting to and, um, my husband <coughs> gives up If I get discouraged, because I don't know what will happen for the kids, or the kids are grown out of their clothes, it always encourages me to think that God will provide. If we don't have a meeting, we'll still go to a church, and God provides through unexpected ways. And, um, this last this pastor has taught us a lot in our marriage, um, that we depend on God. And it's amazing what he has done for us, but just to see <laughs> that has been strength for all. Amen. Amen. Uh, while we have the opportunity, because they're, they're not here for much longer, uh, but two things. Just remember when you, when you step out and you make a commitment, okay, I want to give this to missions. You have the luxury at five or six months in, you're a little tight, like, oh, I don't know if we'll give this this month or whatever they don't have the luxury of let's just say what are you going to do when you don't have gas but you got to get to the next meeting or the kids need what are you going to do um so they're on they're on the front lines dealing with stuff and they're at the other end of you putting your money in the plate that's where they're at the other end of um so two things while they're here with us um if god puts it on your heart take an opportunity to be a blessing to them um because they're one of our missionaries, not just one we support, but from this church. Um, these are our missionaries. This is Liz Anderson's daughter, which teaches next door. Um, th- these are our people. Um, so let's be good to them. Uh, Christian was our Spanish pastor here for how many years? How long? Four and a half. Four and a half years. Uh, so this is not just some missionary that we don't know. Like These are our people. Um, so let's be good to them while we have the opportunity. And remember, uh, when they're not with us, that every time you give, the, the giving we have, it, it meets real needs. And uh, their kids need clothes, and they need food just like we do. And uh, so let's let's be sure to to be faithful, as they're being the most faithful, obviously, uh, of them. And so thank you for that, Ashley. That's good. Anybody else? Anyone want to cut anybody off? All right. Let me give you these two things, and we'll get out just a couple of seconds early. What what two things can a godly spouse do? You being a godly spouse can nourish, and this means to nurture and to care just like you would for a little plant or, or a, a very dependent baby, you can sort of, you can nourish and you can uplift that spirit of your spouse both ways. B, godly spouses cherish. This is to fasten with tender care. I love the verse in Proverbs 24, 3 says this, through wisdom is a house builded and by understanding is it established wisdom and understanding and the more that we understand how far how far excuse me our care goes um the more it breaches and everything like that as well so i believe it's a good lesson today um i'm looking forward to we have two more weeks in this series and uh nope three more three more weeks in this series 
And we're on to another series, but appreciate your faithfulness in being here today. Um, 